All right, so I was considering doing uh, Resident Evil 3 remake um, live streaming things, but I beat the game like two hours ago. So, holy shit, it's a short game. And it looks like I'm not going to be doing live streams of it. So that idea is out the window. Content destroyed. Um, but I got to give it to Capcom. These freaking games are so good. Resident Evil 2 was unbelievable. And I had never played the original 3, but um, this game is nuts. It's insane. And I love every second of it. These games totally encapsulate what Resident Evil was for me as a kid. Like, the tension is insane. The atmosphere is insane. The graphics are insane. These games are awesome. And if I ever do replay it, which I don't plan on doing anytime soon, but if I do, I'll stream it then. But everyone knows what this game looks like, so that'd kind of be stupid. So maybe I won't do it. It's a stupid idea. All right, let's do this. Let's get into this episode. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the Gory Gossip Podcast, the podcast made for horror fans with no time and a deep backlog. I am your host, Michael Amaral, and this week we are covering the platform. The platform uh, is available on Netflix. It just came out a few weeks ago, I think. Spanish horror film directed by Galder Gatsulu Urrutia. I totally fucked it up, but you can go on, go on IMDb and, and look for yourself. Um, but yeah, Spanish horror flick on Netflix. Um, I dug this movie. This was a disturbing, weird, original, uh, very metaphorical piece. And I thought it was good. Uh, I think it has an 80... Hold on. On Tomatoes. The platform. I'm so unprepared. Uh, it's like an 80-something. 83. 83% critic score. 70% audience score. I say it's pretty pretty accurate. Um, it's not a perfect movie. But it is good. Enjoyable. Um, and I liked it a lot. Let's dive dive into it. This is going to be a spoilery thing, so if you haven't seen this, go check it out first, then come back and listen. Um, so the synopsis, a vertical prison with one cell per level, two people per cell, uh, one food platform, and two minutes per day to feed from up to down. An endless nightmare trapped in the hole. Now the hole is talked about in this movie as like a prison where people can well it's where they send the bad people but it's also where people can um elect themselves to be put into it for some kind of gain so our main character uh goreg goreng he puts himself in because he's uh, they're promising him a college diploma um so this film opens with goreng waking up in one of these uh rooms and it's just a a block a a cement block room with two people per room and it's just a tower of them and it just goes down you don't know how many floors there are you know literally nothing when this movie opens he just wakes up in this room and there's this older gentleman that he meets as his first uh, roommate and this guy has been here for a while so he's kind of making fun of him and and 
you know, teasing him a little bit and stuff like that. And you can tell this guy has seen some shit already. And Goreng starts as kind of a main character who has a lot of values and is our protagonist, obviously. But um, this older gentleman is like, yeah, I was like that too until I got here. And like, you don't know what it's like to be on the bottom floor. And I forgot to mention that he wakes up and he's in floor, I think, 39. So this older gentleman is is telling him how he doesn't know what it's like because he hasn't been on the lower floors yet. And Goring is completely, he doesn't know like what's going on. So what ends up happening is they stay in these rooms for a month at a time. That floor. So he's on, he's on floor 39, I think that's what it is, as his first floor. He's here for a month with this dude. So the first time you see the platform come down, this is a platform full of food. But it's all like destroyed and it looks like, you know, two people per room. There was 38 rooms before them. So do the math. There's a decent amount of people that have eaten from this thing already. And the old dude just starts like chowing down because he knows he only has two minutes. And he's like, I'm not hungry. The main dude going. And he's like, oh, you will be and you should stock up now. Um, This is the first time you see the platform, obviously. Two minutes, it goes to the next floor down. Um... Oh, so they have a grand old month. Kind of goes into like a montage where these two are like getting to know each other. Um, and one time the platform comes down, there's this there's this woman on it, a mute woman. And there's it's like this pr- uh, prison legend that the older dude is telling Goring. And he's like, this woman's been riding the platform every month looking for her kid. So they kind of sneak that in quick right in the beginning. And that's important for later. Um, so the platform keeps dropping they're eating montage blah 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 they start smelling gas or goring he's like i smell gas and the older dude's like yeah that means this is the last day tomorrow they're gonna they're gonna knock you out overnight and you'll wake up in a new room tomorrow so he wakes up in the room goring opens his eyes they use the same like really close macro shot of his eyeball uh it's pretty cool that's when you that's how you know he's in a new room so he looks and the first thing he looks at his room, I think they're in 170-something. And the older dude had mentioned before that he was on 122 or something like that. And there was, by the time I got there, there was no food on the on the um, the platform. So Gorang already suspects that this guy killed his, his uh, roommate and probably ate him. So he wakes up and he sees that he's on room 177. And he's tied down by the older dude. And the older dude's like, you are, are a heavy sleeper or something like that. And he tied him down and he's explaining to him like, we got shit luck and I'm doing this and I, and I like you because you're a good person. So I'm not just going to kill you and eat you. So I'm doing this because I'm going to starve myself for as long as I can. And then I promise I won't kill you and eat you. I'll just take pieces and um, try to s- stitch you back up as I go. And we can both make it out of this. So this dude like starts goring, starts freaking out, and he's like, "Fuck this!" Blah blah blah. He's trying to get out of the uh, of the restraints, and oh, it goes into another like montagey thing. Except this time, it's like goring going freaking crazy and trying to get out, while the older dude is like just chilling, reading a book. So I think like a week or something passes, and he's like, "It's time." <laughs> so he takes like a chunk out of his leg, but as he's cutting goring open, um. The blind, not the blind, the mute lady is coming down on the platform 
And since Goring was kind of nice to her when they first saw her, um, he shows like compassion towards her. So when she's coming down, she jumps off the platform and like stabs this old dude and like kills him. So Goring ends up eating him to survive the month. So that's how he survives that month. And then he wakes up into our next location, which I think was room 30-something or 40-something. And that's where he meets his second roommate, uh, Emo Geary. Um, so this was actually probably the most pivotal part of this film. And, and I got some help from uh, Looper.com with like an excellent... Um, synopsis kind of thing here an explanation of what's actually going on metaphorically and the real meaning of this film is is in this scene kind of so um emo gory tells goring because she so there's flashbacks of goring getting um interviewed to get into this prison so he's getting interviewed by emo geary who works for the administration uh, and the administration is the people way upstairs that are um, in charge of this whole organization and it's crazy because they there's scenes where it cuts in and out where they're preparing the food for the day and they're like top chefs all clean very very like proper and stuff and they're making like gourmet meals for these people and there's one scene where um, there was a hair or an eyelash in one of the puddings or something and you can see the head chef like flipping out on one of the guys um, which is just crazy because it's such a contrast to what's actually going on. Everyone is like stepping on the table and like doing all crazy stuff to it as it's going down because people are kind of screwing the people underneath them because they were getting screwed. So it's just one big system literally from the top down of just corruption and terribleness. And the fact that the top chef is yelling at a dude because there's an eyelash in the cake is, is crazy. Um, so Emo Geary, we see her again here. You meet her at the first time, her character, when he's being interviewed and they're not in, in the prison. She just works for the administration. And then you actually see her in the prison and you don't know why. So this is where Emo Geary tells Goring, and this is taken from Looper.com, tells Goring that the administration prefers to refer to the pit-like prison as a vertical self-management center or VSC. Uh, she explains that in order for the food to reach all the way down to the lowest level, there needs to be a spontaneous sense of solidarity, meaning everyone, without communicating to one another, only takes as much as they need. She seems to imply that the whole purpose of the prison is to create a system in which people can learn to foster this spontaneous sense of solidarity. Uh, Goring pro uh, proposes a more sinister interpretation. If that solidarity is emerged, they know to prevent it happening on the outside. So, if we're going to take... Goring's interpretation of the prison, um, then it's a small-scale model of a harsh capitalist system that the ruling class is using to test the responses of the proletariat. It's a tool for the rulers, not society as a whole. So that's what this whole um, kind of interaction with her is about, and that's what they talk about, and she is asking the floor below them every single day to only take their rations. She, like, believes, she believes that this pit is to do good and she's ignorant and doesn't know uh, actually what has what actually goes on in this um, she even says to Goring she's like I didn't know that this is what it was like so the administration doesn't even know that it's broken 
Um, so most of the main characters we meet in the platform represent archetypes or ideas larger than themselves. For instance, Goring, who volunteers to enter the pit in order to obtain a college diploma, represents an idealist intellectual. At the beginning of the film, he shames the greed of those who take more than their share when they have the opportunity, but doesn't understand why they do it as he has not yet spent a month in the bottom of the pit. Imogiri represents the willfully ignorant bureaucrats upon which a system like VC, uh, VSC rely in order to function. When Imogiri enters the pit, it's revealed that she's mostly in the dark as to what actually happens in there. Like Goring, she attempts to convince the prisoners below to ration their food. Um, obviously, no one listens to her, and they chow down on every single floor. And by the time it gets to, you know, the 50s or 60s, there's nothing left. Um, what ends up happening next? Oh, so they spend a month together. And again, we see um, the mute woman traveling the platform. And that's where Goring has a conversation with Imogiri about why she's there. And, and he says to her, he's like, she's looking for her daughter. And Imogiri's like, that's impossible because no one in here, no one is under 16 is allowed to go into the pit. So it's just another way of, of showing how she truly has no idea what's going on here. Um, and that mute woman um, from Looper here it says uh, she represents those who suffer on the periphery of society, whose stories we don't want to believe because they sound so cruel that we can't imagine that we live in the same system. For instance, people experience, experiencing homelessness or other forms of extreme poverty. So that's interesting. Like, like I said earlier, every character represents some bigger idea or archetype, which I thought was really interesting. It, it brought a whole different... Um, um, dynamic to the to the movie. Um, so they spend a month together. They have a bunch of conversations every single day. She tries to tell the floor below them uh, to ration their food. They don't. So they sm start smelling gas, and you know that they're gonna wake up in um, a new room the next day. Um, so they wake up. And the first thing he does is look at the number, and they're on room 202. So they're way fucking down. And he looks to his left, and Imogiri had already hung herself. So he's in this room alone for the month, and he has to use her body um, to feed on for the month because there's no food getting down there. Um, but this is a important month because he there's a... Um, Another kind of montage sequence of him sitting at a wall and he's and he's using kind of chalk to tally up numbers on the wall. And he's counting. You don't know what he's counting for yet, but he's counting and he's tallying up a bunch of numbers. That's important for later. Um, so that month goes by and he wakes up on floor number six, which you're like, oh, shit, that's good. Um, and he wakes up in this room with probably my favorite character of this film um what's his name hold on imdb where are you at uh baharit um baharit is like a uh religious he's like a religious zealot and uh he wakes so goring wakes up to this dude like flipping out and he has a big rope attached to his body and that's something i forgot to mention about the pit you're allowed to take one item with you Everyone is allowed to take one item with them. So a lot of people have like knives 
or crossbows or or like crazy shit, you know. Uh, Gorang chose a book, and Baharit has this big like roll of rope, um, and he's yelling. He's like, "I'm on floor six. I can get to the top and save everybody." So he's asking the floor above him to to um, grab his rope and let him get pulled up. And he's made it to a few floors because he's met a lot of people in this pit. He knows a lot of the people, so he's made it to a few floors before, but he's never been this close. Um, so they grab the rope and they let him start coming up. But as he gets to the top, they like shit in his face and he falls down and it's hilarious. And and he goes crazy and he's like, oh, we're going to die. So he kind of loses hope. And um, Gorang kind of comes to this conclusion where he's like, we're at this high up. And the only way um, that man, the administration is going to stop this is if we send them a message and where the kind of messiahs of this prison we're going to save everybody by um traveling the platform all the way down and making sure every single person gets uh gets their ration or their share because then they can send they could send up food to the to the top and they would have gotten that message and that's the thing the once the platform gets all the way to the bottom it shoots all the way back up um, so they want to send a message. So him and Paris this is the, the best part of this movie. They break down like a bed frame and they're using like the pipes of the bed frame to beat the shit out of people <laughs> as they travel the platform down. And Goring is like, we can't feed the first 51 people. Cause this is when you find out he was tallying up the amount of, um, the amount of seconds it took for the platform to get all the way to the bottom and then shoot all the way back up. So he's like, I estimate there's a two hundred. There's about two hundred fifty platforms. So he's like, so we need to ration the food off for two hundred fifty um, rooms. Um, so they start traveling the platform and start going down. And anyone that tries to take more than what they give them, they like kill them or just beat the shit out of them. And it's just these two dudes <laughs> with bed frames beating the crap out of everybody. Uh, and they do get to one floor where the mute woman is getting attacked by two men. So they jump off the platform and um, try to fight these dudes, but they both get like messed up. Baharit gets sliced with a with a samurai sword, with a katana, and um, Goring gets just like his face pounded in. But Baharit ends up taking the katana and saving them both. But they're both seriously injured. Um, the mute woman is dead, and they just got to keep going. So they get back onto the platform. They're both like bleeding out and dying, and they keep going. Um, until we get to this, so I'm going to read the end of what this Looper article says, because they explain it a lot better than I could. Uh, so at the end of the film, we learn that Maharu's child is real and she's at the very bottom of the pit. And what happened here is, uh, platforms start going through. They don't, it doesn't stop for two minutes at a, some, at some floors because everyone in the room is dead. So rooms where there are no, there's no life present, the, the platform keeps going. So he didn't take that into account because he didn't know when he was counting the seconds in in room 202. So there's way more than 250 floors and they're like really rationing. So they get all the way down to room 333 and that's the last room and that's where um, the mute woman's child is. 
Goring arrives there after riding the platform down with a weapon and enforcing the rationing of the food by beating and killing anyone who tries to take more than their share. His plan is to return back to the top level with an uneaten dessert, a symbol that the prisoners have learned how to work together to survive in such a way. However, after finding the child, Goring realizes that this isn't the message he needs to send. The discovery of Maharu's child, that's the mute woman's child, is con- confirmation of the most important component of the VSC experiment. Those in power set the rules, but they clearly do not follow them themselves, because clearly, <laughs> uh, someone under 16 is in here. Although they've assured everyone they would never do something as cruel as allow a child into a horrendous existence, this was a lie. The conclusion of the platform sees Goring sending the child back up on the platform as a message to the chefs at the top, who are presumably in a similar state of ignorance as Imogiri. Instead of proving to them that the prisoners can adapt to the system, he wants to show them that the system itself is unspeakably and unfathomably cruel, and those operating it cannot be trusted. Because that's the end of the film. He sends the girl up on the platform, and he kind of just walks off. And he just sacrificed himself, and he's going to die. Um, so yeah, there's your, there's your wrap-up of the movie, and what I thought about it, and um, kind of what I took away, the biggest parts that I took away from it. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool original. This is the best Black Mirror episode, honestly, I've seen since season five. So um, it was a cool movie. Uh, very original. And I highly recommend checking it out. Um, there's a lot of weird and disgusting imagery and, um, you know, like people eating the food and just being like absolute ravaging beasts <laughs> over the food is a lot of disturbing and weird, crazy uh, imagery. And it's very visceral and it's very violent. But I think it has a cool uh, metaphorical meaning and I wasn't expecting that. So, yeah, the platform. It's on Netflix. Check it out. I dug it. Um... All right, let's get to some news because there's not a lot. So first thing, Universal is bringing Jaws 45th anniversary limited edition 4K Ultra HD in June. And if anyone knows me, they know I love my 4K Blu-rays. And this Blu-ray actually looks pretty cool. Cover looks cool. So I'm definitely going to get this. Uh, I love Jaws. And this is coming out June 2nd. Uh, it also comes with a 44-page collectible booklet. So, cool. Um, speaking of Resident Evil, I spoke about it last week, and I spoke about it today. Uh, Resident Evil Village is coming out, and <laughs> they got fancy with their... They got creative with their title here because V-I-L-L is signifying the 8 in the logo so it looks pretty cool clever and they're saying that this is gonna stray from um the resident evil as we know which will probably piss off a lot of fans but hey i'm always up for something new if they they keep making those remakes i'll get my old school resident evil fix through those and then i want i'm all in on uh new and different resident evil from there um so this is from bloody disgusting all right E8 has a title, Resident Evil Village, and um, yeah, they're playing on the VII thing. Uh, this game will have a European setting, which is where Ethan from Resident Evil 7 encounters 
Chris Redfield. Um, speaking of Chris, he will undergo another redesign and be playing an integral part in Resident Evil 8. He appears in flashbacks surrounding Ethan, Mia, and apparently their baby as for enemies. Um, a new one is a witch that will be similar to Marguerite in that she operates with insects. She will haunt the player and has a distinctive laugh. And as mentioned before, hallucinations will apparently also play a part in the game, further emphasizing the theme of distrust with whomever you meet. The game will apparently return to the Resident Evil 4 in- uh, inventory management style. So get used to rotating those sprays. Uh, lastly, the game is slated to release in Q1 of 2021. But that might change given the craziness going on right now. Um, yeah, I'm all in on some more Resident Evil. Love these games. This one I will definitely be live streaming, but it's not going to be a long time from now. Um, and then this last story that I found that kind of bothered me. I found it like 30 minutes before I started recording and this kind of pisses me off. They're remaking the others. And if anyone listened to Cinesnobcast, they know that we all hate (laughs) or I hate the whole freaking reboots and remakes of movies that I adore that just exist perfectly fine on their own. The others is one of my it would be on my most underrated horror movie list, like, ever. Uh, this movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And it is so well done and atmospheric. I love this flick. And I can't, I can't believe they're remaking it. It's not even that old. It came out in 2001. I don't get it. Um, so, yeah. Sen- Sentient uh, struck the deal with Film Sharks subsidiary, the remake company. And Atletico Madrid's president, Enrique Cerezo's Video Mercury. So they acquired the rights, and they're going to be remaking it. (sighs) So yeah, that's it. Those are the stories for the day. Um, I hope you guys check out the platform, because it's a cool movie. Uh, Let me know what you think of it. Obviously, watch it before... uh, If you got to this point, and you didn't watch it, and... I'm t- I have to tell you to go watch it now, then you failed. But, um, yeah, check it out and let me know what you think. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, make sure to follow Gory Gossip Podcast on Twitter, at Gory Gossip. Uh, let me know what movie I should watch. Give me, give, me some, give me some recommendations for what I should watch next. And uh, follow me on Letterboxd, at the Gory Gossip. And post some reviews. Maybe I'll read them on here. Um, other than that, I will see you guys next week.